passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the December edition of Post Puroresu. I'm John Pollock, joined as always by WH Park as we get to the end of 2018. That means WH, it's award season. And by the end of this show, we will know the definitive best from the Japanese scene because the authority himself, WH Park, will be laying down his picks. How are you, WH? I'm pretty good, John. It's uh, December, and that means in Japan is what we call Boninkai season, which is uh, translates into end of the year um, party season. So, like a lot of people, like in who work together, will go out have drinking parties. Um, people who are friends with each other will go out have drinking parties to sell to commemorate the the end of the year and kind of ring in the new year. So, I, I've been had. Heading towards my fair share of boninkais for the last couple of weeks, it, it's a it's quite a strain on your liver and on your stomach because you eat and drink a lot. During you gotta so. you gotta go hard at the end of the year. It's exactly. It. But you know the thing is, is like in January we had then have what we call a, a shininkai, which means the the beginning of the year party. <laughs> uh, you know the, the the Japanese really know how to party. They really like uh, their excuses to uh, go out and drink and eat together. I have to say that. Yeah, this sounds like quite the enabling season. If it comes to uh, to alcohol, what is what is WH's go to drink? You sit down, you're about to uh, embark on the end of the year, beginning of the year festivities with close friends. What is the drink of choice you're going with? Number one, uh, uh, a cassius uh, soda. Oh, oh no, a cassius soda. Yeah, like so. I like, like <laughs> the, the liqueur, right? The the fruity liqueur, cassius, and I, I like I like having it with ginger ale usually, but a lot of Restaurants and bars, like, unless they have ginger ale on stock, they won't make it for me. So I just say, okay, just give me a, a cash of soda. Next to that would probably be just tap beer, you know, like what's, whatever's on tap that, that everyone else is drinking. I love the the ginger the ginger ale attachment to a drink. I'm also quite a fan of root beer that can be mixed uh, primarily with, with uh, bourbon if you have uh, the right mix. I think you'd have a hard time with the root beer finding that in I, Japan. It's oh, it's, it's hard to drink. even in Canada. It's like people will do Coke, but not so much uh, root beer. Root beer seems to be you're, you're you're taking a risk. So that's you know that's kind of a loaded comment saying people do Coke on a wrestling yeah. podcast, John. You know that's true. Well, that uh, people clearly don't know me if if they are confused. <laughs> Let's get into what is a very, very busy show that we have. Uh, we are uh, getting closer and closer to Wrestle Kingdom, and the full card is out. Uh, we're not going to go over the entire show uh, because on the next edition of Post Pure Wrestle, it's going to be our Wrestle Kingdom primer. We did this last year. It was uh, very popular. So we'll be doing that the week of January 4th, and Wei Ting will be joining us, WH. So we'll have a, a thorough rundown of Wrestle Kingdom, which is looking like a very deep card. Uh, 
Do you have any uh, general thoughts before we uh, chat about it further in a couple weeks? I, I'm so excited to be going to this live, actually. You know, I, I, w- I missed out last year because I took my vacation uh, in Australia last year. But I'm so glad I'm just sticking around in Japan this year and decided to, to go to this show. Um, when I decided to go, like, I had no idea besides the main event what the card would look like. And I, you know, I was September, October. I was like, ah, I don't know what this card is going to look like. I don't, I'm not too excited about going. I'm, you know, I, I decided to go. I'm sure it'll be good. And then they released the card and I was like, holy shit, this thing looks so amazing on paper. Yeah. I mean, the fact that this show, not including the pre-show, looks like it's going to be opening up with Kota Bushi and Will Ospreay. It's going to set the bar very high right at the beginning. Yeah. I, I, I don't even know like if that's the smartest thing to do, but it's definitely going to get the crowd into the show for sure. Last thing on Wrestle Kingdom, do you sense that this is has as much interest this many weeks out as last year's card did? Um, where, where do you think the expectation and interest level is um, three weeks away? Uh, it's hard to say. I on the Japanese side, I I think there's as much interest in it um, as there was last year uh, from a Western point of view. Like you know, if I'm going by you know like the the reactions on Twitter and stuff like that on social media, uh, there's kind of a divide. I, I think a lot of people are, you know, kind of divided about the amount of like foreign um, participation on this on this card because if you look at it, um, there's so like besides the junior matches, there's everything else is like Japan, half Japanese, half foreign on on in every major match on the show. So it's it's really kind of dividing people like and these are like foreign fans who want who are divided about like, oh, I love like I want to see, you know, Kenny Omega. I want to see the elite more or I want to see, you know, like whoever else like on the on the shows. But then you have this other segment of like the Western fandom of Japanese wrestling and New Japan in particular thinking, well, where's Minoru Suzuki? Where's Hiroki Goto? Why aren't they on this? It's because like. They, they have to make room for like Cody Rhodes and Juice Robinson and, and things like that. So it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting, you know, debate going on online about this, but I, I think it's going to be well populated. Um, you know, I'll talk about the brunch I'm hosting. Yeah. Why don't you let, let people know about that? Because okay. it seems like this is a, it's going to be standing room only. This seems like quite the hit. Well, I, I, I originally booked 20 seats and then I seem to get more interest about you know, the, the brunch that we're going to have before Wrestle Kingdom uh, at the, the TGIFs uh, in Tokyo Dome City, which is like, you know, just a five minute walk away from the, the doors. So it's really convenient. Um, and then, like, just got all this interest. So I said, OK, I'm going to call them TGIF and see if I can up the uh, the seating to like 30. I don't want to go too crazy because like, I don't want to like feel di- them to be disappointed. If, like I come there and there's less than, you know, I say 40 and then there's like, you know, 30 or 25, then it's like, okay, that's, I, I made a mistake there. So I, I'm, I'm going with 30. I, I think if you're listening to this and you want to come, um, please show up, just show up on time. We're starting at 11 AM. I'd say show up 1030, 1045, uh, have, have an order ready, like, um, because it's going to take a long time to process, uh, all the orders. So just, that's my only thing. Just show up a bit before 11 at the doors, uh, get in line 
And it's first come, first serve. I'm not reserving anything for anyone besides myself and for uh, Joel Abraham of the Super Cast podcast over at Voices of Wrestling, who's uh, co-hosting this with me. So, um, yeah, I, you know, if people want to meet other wrestling fans and uh, find uh, drinking par- partners for after Wrestle Kingdom, you should come down to the brunch. Yeah, it seems like there is quite the contingent of people that are uh, flying over for, for the Tokyo Dome. Uh, Dave Meltzer is going this year. Uh, our friend Chris Harrington at the WrestleNomics podcast is going. Uh, it, it seems like this is, is going to be quite the uh, – I think that there's going to be a heavy population of North American fans that are going over for this show. It seems like it's more and more every year of just uh, – I mean, last year, Braden went. Uh, I mean, I don't know if Japan was ready for Braden, but he was there last year. Well, you know, speaking of Chris Harrington, I'm actually hanging out with him on January 3rd. We're going to go to two shows <laughs> during the day. Nice. And I'm going to try to take him to uh, Rivera Steakhouse after uh, the second show we're going to see. We're, so we're going to go see uh, All Japan at Corken Hall in the morning. And then I'm going to try to take him to Todokan, which is the uh, secondhand wrestling store in Tokyo. It's just moved to a new location. It's not in uh, Sudabashi anymore. Uh, and then we're going to go to uh, Shinkiba First Ring, I think, to watch uh, Stardom. And then after that, it, hustle over to um to Gotanda, which is where the Ribera Steakhouse is. And we're not going to be able to get jackets because we're not actually wrestlers, but we can look at all the fantastic pictures on the wall. Well, let us get into, uh, you know, WH talked about what uh, December, what the season is. In wrestling, it means tag leagues from both New Japan and All Japan. And we went over the lineups for these WH, and I thought on paper uh, that the uh, the real-world tag league from All Japan looked like a way more interesting tournament. I did not get to see as much of it as I had hoped to when the tournament started, but I did catch more of it than uh, New Japan's World Tag League. Uh, how much of either uh, did you get to see and just some overall impressions? Let's start with um, New Japan with the World Tag League. Yeah, I saw maybe 40% of the the World Tag League. Um, the thing is, is like I calculated this. Uh, it was what, like, there were 14 teams and there were 93 matches in total. And once I realized there was like 93 matches in this thing, I was like, I just got so dejected. I was just like, I gave up immediately. I was like, I can't watch everything. There's no way. I'm going to miss one or two shows. I guarantee it because I'm going out to to, you know, to meet friends and stuff like that. And that, okay, I'm going to miss shows. And trying to play catch up with this thing was almost impossible. You know, kudos to New Japan World for, like, breaking, like, a lot of the shows into individual matches. So you don't have to scroll through every show to see the matches you want to see. But I just was scrolling through it, and I'm like, I don't want to watch that. Ah, that, That's not going to be good. Uh, That didn't get good reviews. And so I saw about 40% of it, and I kind of cherry-picked the teams that, like, were interesting to me and who I thought were going to have good matches or I heard had good matches. Uh, And it was fine. I liked it. I, I do think the whole idea of like, you know, you, you have this tournament and then you pick the the challengers for the, uh, the the tag team title match at Wrestle Kingdom and the people in the finals are the champions themselves. And, you know, and then the, the winners from last year, that that's not so much bothersome to me. But then the Young Bucks get inserted because they're re- invoking their rematch clause. And I just thought, well, what like in a kayfabe point of view. I, I think, what was the point of this thing? I, I don't understand why all these guys don't have a problem with the Young Bucks just kind of going in there. They Like, if I'm the champions, I would say, no, you get the shot at New Beginning or you get the shot at New Year's Dash or whatever. And 
I, I have no problem with the Young Bucks actually being in the match because I, I do think it's going to make it a better match because I don't want to see Evil Sonata versus Tamatanka and Tangaloa again. Like, no, that's, not after the, the like nothing against the final. It was fine. It was fine. But after I see something that's fine, I'm not clamoring for a repeat. Yeah, and just it was. I think it's too long. Like a single block was just ridiculous for 14 teams and 93 matches. You you didn't need to have a single block. I think things just got lost in the shuffle. You could have had all these you know great matches that that happened, but I don't think a majority of the people saw a lot of them because i think they they were like me probably they just gave up on it that being said this tour was wildly successful yes you know like from it, a live it, event perspective it, it was a very successful tour i think the the number was like it, it did 23 percent more more attendance than last year's which is which is wild i think that's incredible like it just goes to show you that how strong the brand in of itself is because there was no kenny omega on this show there were no young bucks on this show so like they're the participation of the IWGP champion had no bearing on the attendance of, you know, people wanting to go see these shows. It had everything to do with the, the you know, the faith that the fans had in the brand in of itself. And, and, and it's the World Tag League, which is traditionally not something that a lot of fans get excited about. It's amazing. Do, do you think that part of it, too, uh, this wasn't uh, part of the first half of the tour, but the second half, the novelty of Okada and Tanahashi teaming together, do you think that sparked uh any of the uptick in attendance yes definitely that's uh like if you look if you read the magazines like like weekly pro that was a huge cover story uh when it happened and then it got featured in like in articles and things like that so yeah definitely was a, one of the driving factors for like the the house shows because they did from i i forget which show they started on but from that point on they did that that variation of that match with like very it usually it was like Okada, Tanahashi, Kushida, and Rocky Romero against various members of uh, the Bullet Club, and so in those, I definitely think those sold out the those shows that they headlined. Over in All Japan, they had the the Real World Tag League, which was won by Joe Doring and Dylan James, defeating uh, Shuji Ishikawa and Suwama on the final day. So they finished with fourteen points on top, and uh, the will set up a, a tag title match. We also had. I guess it was kind of just a log jam underneath. I tied at 12. We had Suwama and Shuji Ishikawa, uh, Pero and Odinson, who were coming over from the U.S., uh, Junakiyama and Daisuke Sakamoto, Kai and Kengo Mishimo. Then at eight points, uh, or sorry, at 10, we had Kento Miyahara and Yoshitatsu, Manabu Soya and Takayo Mori, Jake Lee and Ryoji Sai, followed by Zeus and the Bodyguard at eight. And at the bottom was uh, all Asian tag champions, Naoya Nomura and Yuma Aoyagi, as well as Tajiri and Gianni Valletta, who I had not seen prior to this tour. But uh, I did get to see more of the real-world Tag League than I did uh, New Japan's version. Uh, how much did you get to see of all Japan, and was there anyone that uh, stood out for you? I saw maybe 50% of this thing. It was just tough to juggle both for me because I wanted to, to watch, try to watch as much as both as I could. Uh, All Japan was a little bit easier to watch just because they didn't have as many shows and as many matches. I think for them, it was like 11 teams and 55 matches in total, which is a lot easier to digest than 93 matches. Um, for for standouts, um, yeah, I, I really like you know the, the team of Akiyama and Daisuke Sakamoto. Yeah. It, they, they worked really well together. They created a new finisher because um, if you ever watch Daisuke Sakamoto with his regular 
tag partner, uh, Yuji Okabayashi. So their finisher is like Okabayashi will grab someone in a German suplex hold. And then Daisuke Sakamoto will come up behind Okabayashi and grab him in a German suplex move. And they do a double German suplex, which looks scary as hell. So the variation that Akiyama and Sakamoto did was that (laughs) Akiyama would get someone in the exploder suplex hold. And then Daisuke Sakamoto would then suplex, German suplex, Jun Akiyama and their their poor opponent would like do a double like landing, you know, at double the height. So it, that was really fun. And these those two just have like a really nice chemistry with each other. Like Sekimoto would like the first time Sekimoto did that move, Akiyama was like, "What the fuck did you do to me, dude?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry." Because like Sekimoto's like the junior to like Akiyama's senior, right? So it was, it was a fun dynamic to watch them. Um, I, I really like the Violence Giants. They're they're such a great tag team. Um, it's it's a that team is such a great indication of how much better all Japan does with booking like their stars in tag teams because you know like you don't see like the former world champions in New Japan like necessarily forming a tag team to keep them busy to if they're not in the title picture. This 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 team is like Shichikawa, Suwama, both are former Triple Crown champions. They're not currently in the title mix so well you're not gonna like not use them so you put them in a tag team together and like it's because of like they were triple crown champions there's like automatic prestige placed on them and it's automatic like you know kind of aura placed on them and i think since they formed last year they've just been tearing it up in all japan it's, it's been a really big boon to their their mid card how do you look at All Japan's um, main event picture going into 2019? Uh, Kento Miyahara is the Triple Crown champion. He is their, I mean, he is their, the the center focused upon piece of that main event scene. Uh, but you also have, you know, a number of guys that are certainly north of 40, uh, but they're trying to introduce more guys into the mix. Uh, where do you see the main event picture uh, in terms of its health? Uh, it's it's a little dire. I feel like outside of Kento, like there, there's not much there. They tried with Zeus. Um, I think they could have like you know stuck with him a little bit longer. But you know, like the true and tried person that they can trust to you know to uh, keep the fans happy to to bring you know people to to the shows is like Kento Miyahara as the Triple Crown champion. I don't really see anyone like coming up there to be on his level yet. I mean, the big prospect is uh, Jake Lee because uh, you know he has like a you know a shoot background. He he, he was in Next Dream. He was Kento's tag team partner before his injury and subsequent return. And he's he's really tall. I just don't find anything compelling about him necessarily right now. About in regards to his uh, persona, there's no, there's no character there that I can latch onto. He is a good worker, and I think he's going to get there eventually. But they they kind of need him to be there now. I, I don't know what they're going to do with the Triple Crown in 2019 going forward. He, they got a, a, a title defense with Kento versus Kai coming up. I, I have no faith that Kai's going to win that match. And, or I think he'll have a decent match, but he's a very inconsistent wrestler. So uh, I wouldn't. I would never put the belt on Kai. Let me just say that. Yeah, and just to uh, kind of look at some of the other – like Shuji Ishikawa is now 43. Suwama's 42. I mean, Junakiyama is 49. That, that's kind of where, where you're looking at. I mean, Zeus is still, you know, mid to uh, late 30s at, at this point. But it's 
it's kind of that that next wave that yes you have Miyahara but who are going to be the next ones that are going to be able to to fill out those roles that Kento Miyahara is going to be programmed with for the next several years. I think that's a big task that they have in 2019 is getting those guys to uh that next level because you can't be just relying on those couple of, you know, three to four guys because I, I don't think they're going to be options uh for much longer. This is why I really was kind of hoping that, you know, Shingo Takagi was going to join mm. All Japan because as a freelancer because he would have really freshened up that scene. He's already done it in the position he's he's in now in New Japan. But I I think, you know, we're talking about this. It kind of maybe, you know, just dawned on me that probably they're going to go outside to get some talent to bolster up their their um, their roster. And I, I can see like someone like Daisuke Sekimoto. Like he's someone they can trust. He's he's worked all Japan as a freelancer for many years. Uh, they like him. They they can. He's he's proven to be a very trustworthy wrestler. Like you can trust him with your belt. He's not going to run away with it or hold you hostage. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point like he becomes the Triple Crown champion. You know, in 2019, he's already won the Champions Carnival in, in previous years. So that would be one of my predictions. Is that it's it wouldn't be surprising. If like Sekimoto becomes the uh, Triple Crown champion for a good part of 2019, you know who I think would get a lot out of working with All Japan would be Davy Boy Smith Jr., who I think is just a guy in New Japan. He's not a focused upon guy, and it probably doesn't make a whole lot of business sense for him to leave New Japan. But I just look at him being. Uh, much bigger priority here in all Japan, and you have the history of his father in that promotion. I, I think that he could go into that mix very seamlessly. Oh, I agree with you. I I think he's completely wasted in, in Killer Lee Squad. I think they've, that's run its course. Um, he he is someone that I think they're just New Japan is just missing missing money out you know they're missing they're throwing away money not using him i think he has like his his background his like legit like shoot background and his look his pedigree is 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 like just all you know like in favor of him like becoming a champion um the other thing is is like outside of joe doring and dylan james you really don't have like prominent like foreign talent in all Japan, whereas New Japan is just you know bursting at the seams with their you know Western they have too many roster, so it's it's ridiculous. Even yeah, when like, the elite leave, there's still going to be so many you know foreign talent you know foreign wrestlers in there. It's it's good, it's hard for those guys to kind of like kind of claw their way up the ladder in New Japan. So a lot of them should think about maybe not in a financial way. But in terms of like getting your name out there or, or making a mark, you might want to think about trying to negotiate something with like, you know, Noah or All Japan. It's kind of the, the POC strategy of I'm going to go a somewhere where I want to be. I am no longer going to work for a company that I'm unhappy with. I think he's putting his own just happiness ahead of everything else, but also where can I make more of an impact at a place that needs me or where I can just be a cog in the wheel? Like had Pot gone to that junior heavyweight division in New Japan, there's tons of matches and I don't think he would have been an afterthought. But it's just – I think that in Dragon Gate, he's he can be a big difference maker. Whereas in New Japan, I don't know if he's a difference maker. He's a great addition. But in Dragon Gate, he can become the focal point, which he is now as the Open the Dream Gate champion. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we maybe we can migrate over to Puck then. Talking about yeah. him, uh, he yeah. So how how much Puck. have you gotten to see of him since uh, returning to Dragon Gate? I I watched his return 
um, which we talked about because it happened the same night we recorded our last show. Uh, that was great. He got a big pop out of Corican. Um, I've seen pretty much. I saw the 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 Ben was it the Bandito or Flamita? I can't remember who he wrestled. One of the guys from Mexa Blood. Um, that was okay match. I, I watched the match with Yoshino, and he's done a lot of stuff with like a, a Red in multi man tag matches. Um, but he got he got the Dreamgate belt, and I think it was such a good idea. I think because he's going to go international now, like to the UK. I'm sure he's going to do tons of dates during WrestleMania weekend. And if he's the, the Dreamgate champion, then there's going to be like, he's going to bring that belt with him. Probably they're going to, they're going to announce him as the Dreamgate champion. So people who are familiar with Pac as Neville back in WB, who are going to go to, you know, UK show, the, all these UK shows that he's going to be doing in, coming in January. If he's got the belt with him, they're going to be like, Oh, he's a champion of this company. It's a big deal. What's that? Maybe they're going to migrate to try the Dragon Gate network. Who knows, right? Um, I think it's it's great for Dragon Gate because it really freshens up that Dream Gate scene. It's it's been kind of like stale for the longest time. You had you know Yoshino's been a multiple time champion. Before him, it was uh, Yamato who's been a multiple time champion. Before, I can't remember uh, Mochizuki. You know was multiple time champion. Like this is the first time Pox ever held that belt, and he's only the second foreigner to ever hold that belt after uh, Ricochet. So it really freshens it up. He's also a heel. Uh, I think he's like a unique heel in Dragon Gate. He doesn't like heal it up like the other members of Red. So yeah, I think he's he's so smart. Like he he went to a company that he he worked for before. He has a good relationship with the the people in the office. He has a good relationship with the other wrestlers. Uh, the senior wrestlers there, like Doin Yoshino, who he was teammates with, and like he's gonna he's gonna be treated well. He's not gonna get lost in the shuffle. So yeah, he he's got to be up there among the smartest guys in the business right now. Yeah, I I really enjoyed the match with uh, Yoshino and just watching Pac. I think one of the the biggest positives he can take away from his WWE tenure was that that final six eight months working as that heel character that he has down so solid at the moment and just all of the, the just the presence he has and you can just see this is a guy that has all the confidence in the world uh behind him and it just really comes through with that presence oh and, and the best part was he jumped yoshino during the playing of the uh god's yeah. queen that was amazing because dragon gate that's what dragon gate does during title matches they play the national anthem uh, if it's you know someone from America in a title match, of course it's going to play the you know the, the American national anthem. Here they played the the British national anthem, and then he just jumped them. If he did that during the Japanese national anthem, I don't know. They might have like rioted against him. <laughs> he might have had to fear for his life. But the fact that he did it during the the British one still got heat on him because they're like, how can you disrespect your own national anthem? But not the heat where it's going to like get put him in like you know bodily harm like he, he was like wrestling in puerto rico and he did something like that maybe it was his uh his subtle tribute uh even though it was uh, prior to the man's passing uh when dynamite kid interrupted nikolai volkov at the wrestling classic and hit him with a missile drop kick off the top rope uh after nikolai volkov was singing the anthem that could be it john you might be onto something there i think a lot of people see a lot of dynamite kid in Pac and that's maybe my greatest segue I can possibly make on this show at this uh, this present hour. Uh, but I want to chat with you a bit about uh, Dynamite Kid specifically on his Japanese career and just your um, 
introduction to the Dynamite Kid? Was this someone that you got tapes of early on? What was your uh, first exposure to his Japanese work uh, beyond the WWF and, and Calgary work? Well, I mean, I got I got to say, you know, talk about his WWF work because that's where I first saw him. And, you know, I started watching, you know, wrestling like seriously post WrestleMania one. And like I, I wasn't too enamored with too many people outside of like, say, Ricky Steamboat. I've always been kind of a work rate kind of fan, like the guys who work really hard. So I never really liked Hulk Hogan that much. I didn't really like the junkyard dog that much, but I really loved Ricky. This Steamboat. is stunning news to me. And uh, and so when I first saw the Dynamite Kid, he was like doing he was in the British Bulldogs with Dave Boy Smith and he he was fighting some jobbers, but he would do chain wrestling. He would like do flying. I was like, my mind was blown. I was like, who is this guy? This guy's amazing. And so, you know, I followed him throughout his WF career. Then he had the back injury. They dropped the titles. They left. And then, yeah, he disappeared from my radar because I wasn't tape trading at this point. I'm still like still in high school. Um, it's not until I seriously start doing tape trading, I start, you know, like become like the Internet's kind of talking about international wrestling more. And then I see the the matches with Tiger Mask in New Japan. I'm just like, oh, it's Diamond Kid. He's way smaller because this is before this heavy steroid use. Uh, but he's still amazing. And I'm just like, my God, this is the precursor to the kind of junior stuff I'm seeing in New Japan right now, which was like around 92 93 and i'm just like oh my god all these guys are copying him and then at that time i was i also latched on to chris benoit who i you know like i became a fan of because of his striking resemblance to dynamite kid and so i'm like okay i'm liking this guy this is the guy who inspired him it was it's a great time but like you know beyond that like later on then i got to see the british bulldog stuff in all japan which is very underrated like this is post WF career, so like maybe people think, okay, he can't wrestle anymore. He could, he couldn't do as much as he did before. But you watch, there's an excellent match you can find on YouTube. It's the British Bulldogs against the Malenko brothers, uh, Joe and Dean. It's amazing because just chain wrestling and like Dynamite Kid's not trying to, you know, recreate Tiger Mask, particularly not with the, the Malenko brothers who he doesn't need to. They can just chain wrestle and it's amazing. Uh, but you can watch them fight. The Doug Furness and Phil Lafon, the Can-Am Express, those are great matches. They, they have matches against Terry Gordy and Dr. Death Steve Williams. Like, I would really recommend people, like, want to see a kind of a smarter Dynamite Kid. Go watch his All Japan run with Dave Boy Smith Jr. And this is before, like, you know, Davey Boy kind of, you know, steals a trademark or whatever, however you want to couch that, and then goes back to the WF. Um, and then he starts teaming with Johnny Smith who he would bring into all Japan and then Johnny Smith would stay after, even after dynamite leaves because of like all his health problems and stuff. But he's a very influential man in Japan. Like he, he got coverage uh, in the media. Uh, he's the cover story of weekly pro wrestling this week. And there's like a three, four page spread on his career. This is how influential he was. Um, he influenced like you have tiger mask. He's the one half of the current junior style that's existed since the eighties. Like he's, he's the one uh, inspiration, right? So you, from him, you have Liger, you have like Kota Ibushi comes from the tiger mask side from the dynamite kid side. You have, you have, you know, you, you got Chris Benoit, 
Eddie Guerrero, I, I would say even is emulating that style to some extent. Then, then from there you have like your Davey Richards and like even like to some extent Kenny Omega is, is inspired by the Dynamite Kid. So it's, it's in North America, there's an influence. I think it's a, he's, he's so influential. He's the foreign junior heavyweight archetype that exists in Japan that everyone tries to fill. Stan Hansen is like the big bruising American brawler archetype that every Japanese company wants to emulate. But, you know, Dynamite Kid is the, the other side of that spectrum, which is a smaller, faster, more technical style wrestler. Yeah. And, you know, at the height of the All Japan, New Japan War, the British Bulldogs were very big when they were uh, signed over by Baba in 84. And they were making an enormous amount of money. They were getting uh, over. 6,000 a week that they were making at their peak there. And that was at the time when they were still able to balance uh, WWF with All Japan. All Japan was always kind of in their back pocket. Like that was their foundation until they ultimately signed with WWF and they they went after the Bulldogs to get exclusively. And then, yeah, as you mentioned, returning uh, after they left the company in 88. But uh, did you ever get to read uh, Pure Dynamite? I had one of the earlier earliest copies as i recall i got my copy from jeff merrick who was had a relationship with tom billington he probably time. knew tom billington as much as anyone outside of his immediate family for a period because uh, the law was uh, running his website and jeff was doing like monthly you know, it was the precursor to podcast, but like a monthly show with Tom Billington, these audio shows that they put up on the site. And I did talk to Jeff over the, over the past week um, about Tom. But yeah, there was I don't even know where those shows would be now. But um, yeah, so he, he knew him very well. And they were also involved in kind of getting the North American distribution of his book. Yeah. So I think I got my assigned copy of it from from Jeff. And I read that book, and I was fascinated and horrified at what I read in this book because this is someone I like had a great deal of admiration for, and it's one of my favorite wrestlers from my childhood. And he is admitting at what a horrible human being he is. You know, like I, I just, I, I'm, I'm shocked at all the drug use. I'm shocked at all the, all the bullying and all the. You know, the, the pranks he played, these horrible pranks he played. And he he self-admittedly is a horrible person. He like I didn't get this from reading other people talking about him. I got this from his own autobiography. I, I couldn't believe it. So it was very hard for me to reconcile, like, who this this terrible person is, is with this amazing wrestler. But, you know, I, I kind of had to come to a point in my with myself, like, just say, OK, I'm going to divorce Tom Billington from the dynamite kid and what I see on screen is what I'm going to enjoy. It's to a lesser extent. I do the same kind of thing to a lesser extent with, with Chris Benoit. Cause if I, if his matches come up, I try not to think about the, you know, what happened. I think about just, okay, this is this match. I love this match. I'm going to watch this match and just leave. And when it's done, I'm going to forget about him for the time being. And I think it's like, sometimes I feel that we, we put ourselves into this corner and you can only view people uh with with one discernible way it's like this guy I, I think you can look at him as one of the greatest performers of all time certainly influential among multiple generations while also being a, a human being that had 
you know, some some atrocious accusations against him and ones that he confessed to openly in his book and elsewhere in interviews that there, there's no reconciling that, that this was, you know, a, a, a guy that did some horrendous things to those closest around him. And, you know, pranks aren't even to me the, the term you could use for some of the stuff he pulled on guys. Like it was malicious. It was sadistic. Uh, some of these things that he did to other people. Uh, and, and I think he can be viewed in, in many multiple ways. He's not a guy that you can just simply uh, write a sentence on to describe his legacy. Yeah. And you know, it, just to end this note, like I, I would urge people, like if you can, don't just focus on his, his Tiger Mask stuff. Um, in his New Japan career, like go out, look for his matches with Kunyaki Kobayashi, Fujinami, those matches. Fujinami, yeah, the the Cobra Jurtsukano. Those are some. He's he had a four year period before he went to the WF in, in New Japan that is just amazing. Not a lot of it's not already up, not up on uh, New Japan World right now, but. I imagine down the line, like more and more stuff from the archives is going to go up there. But, you know, his All Japan stuff is really easy to find over on YouTube. Just type in the British Bulldogs. And I would recommend like anything with the Malenkos, the Can Express and like Doc and Gordy. Uh, the Tokyo Sports Awards are out for this year. They have announced the, the winners. Uh, MVP was awarded to Hiroshi Tanahashi. Best bout went to Kazuchika Okada, Kenny Omega from Dominion back in June. Tetsuya Naito won the Technique Award. Shuji Ishikawa and Suwama were named best tag team. Uh, Kaito Kiyomiya was given the Fighting Spirit Award. Uh, Naomichi Marafuji's 20th anniversary match with Kenta received an award. And then you had uh, Sukasa Fujimoto of Ice Ribbon named the Joshi Wrestler of the Year. Otami Hayashishita of Stardom was named Rookie of the Year as she is only 20 years old. And as we've discussed uh, about her this year, had her first match in August. So, yeah, she is certainly one to um, keep your eyes on for many years to come. But uh, any major takeaways from the awards? Any um, uh, We'll be getting to your awards, WH, which really, to me, uh, much ahead of the Tokyo Sports Awards. It's the WH Park Awards that people really want to hear about. Well, I, I think it's interesting that, you know, a lot of the, the obvious choices, one, in terms of the MVP, a lot of them are New Japan people, right, or New Japan matches. Uh, I, I do think it's interesting that, you know, like Fighting Spirit went to Kiyomiya. Like, you know, it's it's, it's been his year. Like, I wrote about him in, in my article that I did for the, for the site. Um, I don't know if I would have picked him for for that but i do i do think tokyo sports is being very strategic about like trying to like okay we can't just talk about new japan you know we we have to give publicity to other companies in this country i i think tokyo sports is being very strategic about trying to like spread the wealth so to speak to like try to create a very healthy uh, industry in japan for wrestling so not that saying that any of these people don't deserve these awards i'm saying like you know like in a, in a year where like New Japan was clear and ahead the most dominant box office you know draw in this country for wrestling and they have the biggest stars in the country, it's it's a nice thing to see Tokyo Sports kind of be like, hmm, okay, we're gonna give this award not to New Japan. They could have given tag team to you know a New Japan team. It wouldn't, no one would have like gotten upset about it. But yeah, I I. I Hiroshi Tanahashi, like, it's interesting, like, how he's kind of come 
back from like kind of a lackluster middle part of the year, I think. And then just kind of just exploded with the G1, especially the tail end of the G1. And now he's like the most talked about wrestler in this country, really. Like, and he's creating the most buzz, obviously, because like he's doing very well in selling tickets for the uh, the Tokyo Dome show, uh, along with Kenny Omega. But I think he's more of a draw. His story is more of a draw than, than Kenny's story at this point. Kenny's story was the chase. Kenny's story, since he finished the chase and got the title, has not been as compelling for fans, I think, as, as much as Tanahashi's, like, redemption story. So it, it's really a, a good list. I like this list, but it's a very interesting list because I, I do think there's a lot of politics involved with, with it. Do these get a lot of coverage, these awards, uh, beyond just, like, the wrestling bubble? Uh, yeah, they talk about it. Like, I mean, Tokyo Sports is a big publication. It'd be like, I don't know, like, if, you know, if in a Western context, I suppose if, like, you know, Sports Illustrated, you know, did a serious look at, like, wrestling, res- wrestling awards for the North American scene, maybe they would say, like, uh, the tag team of the year was, I don't know someone from Evolve or it, it was a ring of, it was the SCU was tag team of the year. It'd be like, Whoa, really? Okay. That's cool. Uh, you know, or they said fighting, you know, fighting spirit b- belongs to, I don't know, like Brian cage from impact or something like that. That's what it would be kind of the equivalent of, you know? Uh, do you want to chat a little bit about the, the article you put up on the site? It was your six to watch in 2019. And I really like that you went outside of New Japan, that probably a lot of people are familiar with the, the names kind of, uh, that are the next wave. Uh, you had, uh, listed here, Hazuki from Stardom, uh, Keito Kiyomiya that we just mentioned from Noah, Mika Iwata from Sendai Girls, Zachary Wentz and, uh, Desmond Xavier, the Rascals, uh, Shun Skywalker from Dragon Gate and Takuya Nomura from Big Japan. Yeah, I wanted to write that article because it was kind of inspired by like this current wave of young alliance that exist in New Japan because I am so excited about their journey from this point forward. I think to me, sometimes I get mm, like this, you know, disinterested in New Japan. Sometimes, sometimes I get kind of deflated by some of the booking that happens in that company. But then I, I watch one of their the one of the multi man tag matches with the Young Lions, or they get a singles match between, say, like Shota Amino or Tohanari, and I'm like, I get excited about New Japan again. I get excited about the Young Lions system. You know, these are the things that I love about New Japan, like this journey that you have of these rookies into mid-carders, into tag team champions. And then, they, you know, they start challenging their their seniors in the company and they start beating them and they become stars in themselves. Their generation takes over. You saw it with the Three Musketeers. You saw it with, you know, the third generation, Nagata, Tenzan, Kojima, and Nakanishi. And then you saw it with Tanahashi and Nakamura. And then now you see it with, you know, like Okada and Naito. It, it's 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 the thing I think that really draws longtime fans to New Japan still, and it keeps them there, and it and it draws old, younger fans who hear about like this kind of generational legacy that's created in the company. Um, so that being said, I, I wanted to look at people who don't get a lot of attention uh, outside of kind of this wrestling Japanese wrestling bubble that exists say, on social media. So I, I picked and I wanted a mix of you know like. Women, female wrestlers, I wanted a mix of like 
you know, foreign people that I think are going to do really well. And I picked the Rascals because I think they're going to explode in 2019, not only in Japan, but in America. I think they're kind of like the buzz thing in, in Impact right now. They're working, they're the PWG tag team champions. They're doing a lot of work for, uh, for Fight Club Pro over in the UK. Uh, I do think their relationship with Shima is going to strength is going to get stronger. I think they're going to do a lot more work in DDT and, and uh, Wrestle One, which is where the Strong Hearts, which they're part of, uh, are are working a lot. You know, doing a lot of dates for and really helping those companies elevate their cards, elevate their their box office. Like Strong Hearts are an undeniable success story in Japanese wrestling in 2018. I think it's not going to be any different in 2019 um for as far as like um i'll go in order like hazuki she is the most exciting person outside of momo watanabe as the uh, wonder of stardom champion in that company like her development from like kind of this third wheel in queen's quest yoshirai's group to getting drafted into Edo tai against her you know uh, to her displeasure initially to her accepting being like in Oedo Tai and kind of becoming a heel under Kagetsu has just been nothing short of phenomenal and incredibly compelling stuff to watch on Stardom World. So like, and she, and her work in the ring is fantastic. It's unbelievable. She is such a great worker. She's a great high flyer. She's a good heel. She's like, I think the it's 2019. If she doesn't win one of the major singles bells, I will be, surprised uh then i go to kaito kiyomiya he's going to challenge um takashi sugiera this coming week for the ghc title i think he has a very good chance of winning it my only knock against him is that he's kind of boring and he doesn't really have any killer instinct so hopefully that's something that will come i think it will come with him uh we'll see um who then then mika iwata who doesn't get a lot of press because i don't think sendai girls uh, penetrates the consciousness that much because like they're they're up north northern part of japan they don't really run too many shows in tokyo even though like the, their founder and top star is meiko satamura um, but i think uh you know mika iwata is like in that kind of bubbling underneath her her peer is chihiro hashimoto who was who's the current champion and the big star asada satamura but mika's right there and i think she's just like this great pure fiery baby face and she's an excellent wrestler. Keep an eye on her. If you're into Joshi wrestling, keep an eye on her. She's going to be a big star, definitely. Um, Shin Skywalker, I think, outside of Ben K, he's like the guy who's going to like carry Dragon Gate for into the next mm, five to ten years. When once they pull the trigger on him and his generation of guys. And finally, Takuya Nomura. Have we talked about Takuya Nomura, John? No, I don't think we have. See, I think Takuya Nomura is a wrestler that you would absolutely love because he is like this, he's got this, like in the article I say, he's a cherub-faced, unassuming young man, but man, is he a dickhead. Like he is like 2003-level Kenta dickhead. He is like Akira Maeda kicking Ricky Choshu in the face, dickhead. Like he has that potential. He's Katsuyori Shibata, dickhead, you know, like, Break against ropes, slap you, you know. He's going to snap marry you, kick you really hard in the back. He, for his age and his experience level, I think like two, three years, he is so good. It's, one of my friends, Steven, he said, you should, you WH, you would like Takuya Nomura. Where does he wrestle? Big Japan. I'm like, 
come on, dude. I don't like Big Japan. It's Deathmatch. He goes, dude, you, they have a strong division. That's where Sekimoto works and shit. And I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll watch this Nomura kid. And then I watch his matches. I'm like, holy shit, this, this guy's good. And then if you see him live, he has this aura. He is so good. So I'm going to say, John, 2019, make it a point to try to track, uh, track down Takuya Nomura matches. I'll send some your way, links and stuff like that. You will love this guy. I'm going to do a a report on Takuya Nomura and I will get back to you. Maybe uh, we'll we'll skip the next show, but the one after that, we'll we'll dedicate some time to uh, Takuya Nomura. Uh, You have, you've definitely piqued my interest. He's not, he's not someone I was all that familiar with until you uh, wrote about him. So if you want to go up to uh, postwrestling.com and just look it up, WH parks six to watch in Japan in 2019. It's a tremendous rundown of these six performers, uh, what to look out for in 2019 and also links to uh, various matches. Uh, Great recommendation. So uh, a great job WH on that, uh, on that piece. You're very underrated writer. I I think that I love your pieces. Oh, thanks, John. I'm I'm trying to do more writing to like kind of break out of this kind of like I don't know uh, pigeonhole. Maybe I have. So I'm trying to write more and trying to write about different topics in wrestling, not just about this or that. So I'm 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 currently thinking about what my next article will be. Uh, you did mention uh, uh, Kaito Kiyomiya. He'll be challenging uh, Takeshi Segura this coming Sunday. It's Noah's last major show of 2018. They are running a uh, Cork and Hall Christmas Eve. Uh, any kind of thoughts just on Noah's uh, year end show here? Uh, they're going to be uh, several title matches, but that's the big one, I guess, t- to watch is whether they uh, pull the trigger with uh, Kiyomiya. I actually think the the whole scene is is. Like this whole entire card is very important. Um, like not just Kiyomiya because like if anything, Noah's one is the maybe the one company where they are dependent on everyone having to be over because of like their their loss in stature of in, in the Japanese wrestling scene. They're still popular, but they are Fuji's they, hurt now, so there's they can't rely on any one person. You know yeah. what I mean? And I actually think their overall roster is is tends to be a little bit stronger than all Japan, with the exception of the top mix of like Kento Miyahara and like maybe Suwama and Ishikawa as the tag champions. Um, Kiyomiya, he won the Global League. I haven't watched the finals yet, but he had an excellent match with Sugiera. Uh, he he acquitted himself really well throughout the whole tournament. Um, my like I said, my only knock on him is like he just doesn't seem to have like a killer instinct in his in his promos or his interviews, but he's really, really excellent in the ring. I went to a Noah house show like in Numazu on Sunday and it was so much fun, like up and down the card. Like there wasn't anything really of consequence. They were all multi-man matches and stuff, but it's a really strong product in general, right? They have Katsuhiko Nakajima. He won the tag titles with Go Shizaki, which, which was to me like, Oh, but I loved his t- team with Kitamiya, the aggression. But they broke up. So now it's kind of like, okay, well, Kitamiya needs to get away from Nakajima to elevate himself to kind of break from his shadow. So, okay, this is going to be interesting. I want to see them interact in 2019. Um, but, like, um, they're fighting. Uh, Shizaki and Nakajima are fighting um, Maibok Taniguchi and uh, the newly, you know, me- new member of uh, the NOAA roster, which is Yuji Hino, who people might remember from the Champions Carnival. Uh, the junior heavyweight title, uh, Kotaro Suzuki, who's absolutely killing it. I thought he was kind of boring 
you know, before. But his new heel character has been outstanding. If you watch his stuff with Daisuke Harada leading up to him, um, him winning the belt from him, it's just amazing heel stuff. And he's he's going to fight Harada. The The big stipulation here is not the, the title being online, but Harada is the leader of this group called the Rattels, who I absolutely despise. So if Kotaro wins, he keeps the title, but the Rattels have to disband. So please, Kotaro, win this match, please. Uh, besides that, you have the junior tag title match is uh, High 69 and Minoru Tanaka, who are the current champions. They're taking on the team of the Backbreakers, Hajime Ohara and Hitoshi Kumano. Kumano's like kind of this young guy in the roster. Uh, uh, Ohara is like a, a kind of a, a senior member of the roster and like senior member of the junior heavyweight division. He he actually trained in Toriyaman with Ultimo Dragon. He was a peer. He was in the same class as Kazuchika Okada. So they they if you go on cage match, you'll see a lot of them have a lot of interaction with each other early in their careers. Um, Doug Williams is doing his last match in Japan against Yoshinari Ogawa, which should that should be, be cool. Ex- that should be an excellent technical match. Ogawa is like one of the most underrated technical wrestlers in the world. I will say this about him. I think he plays a large part in how good Zack Sabre Jr. is now because when Zack Sabre Jr. was in NOAA, they were a tag team together and like they were an amazing tag team. Go out and check those matches out if you can find them. Um, but yeah, those they got all four titles on the line. I think this is a really important show. Kiyomi needs to deliver. Sugera has to put him over really strong if Sugera's losing the title. I'll say this about Sugera. He doesn't set my world on fire, but he's been a very, very, very important part of the stability and slow growth of Noah throughout this year. Uh, and I think if you like hard-hitting wrestling, you should check out Takashi Sugera's title reign. All right, before we get to your awards, uh, since this is the last show of the year, I just wanted to run through the major promotions, uh, well, major and not-so-major promotions, and just get a quick thought from you on what you think are the, the biggest issues facing the promotion in 2019. Just any uh, general thoughts. We'll just kind of rapid-fire go through uh, a number of groups. Uh, starting out with uh, Shima's OWE group, and you can include uh, Stronghearts in this as well, just uh, what to watch for in 2019. Well, I, I, I can't really say anything about OWE. They seem to not be really running anything. I don't hear anything about them. The only thing that people hear about uh, from OWE is Stronghearts. And I think 2019 is is going to be another banner year for them. I can see them, you know, kind of, you know, wrapping things up with Russell One and DDT, which are the two promotions they, they work for right now, and going to maybe hopefully say Noah, maybe All Japan, maybe... Another company, not Dragon Gate. That's not going to happen for a while. I think Shima returning to Dragon Gate with Stronghearts is an inevitability, but maybe two years from now, three years from now, when people really, really want it, and people are going to pay a lot of money to see that. Um, but yeah, they're they're like the ultimate like mercenary group in wrestling. They're kind of like a modern day version of the fabulous Freebirds. We need to bolster up our attendance. Uh, let's get the Freebirds. We need to get our baby faces heated up. Who do we got? No one. Okay, call the Freebirds. This is that's what the Stronghearts are. They're the Freebirds of 2018. Um, yeah, I. It's been a great year for them. Next year is going to be just as great, I think. How about Stardom? What uh, What are your big questions about them for the new year? 
Nothing. I, I think just keep the course, man. They, they've they had a tremendous year as far as making new stars, replacing Io Shirai. People thought, oh, my God, Io's getting scooped up by WWE. The, the sky is falling. What are we going to do? Nothing. You don't have to do anything. You know why? You have Momo Watanabe. You have Mayu Iwatani. You got Hazuki. You got Kagetsu. It's it's fine. And the booking is so good. People, some people shit on the booking. I don't have any problems with the booking. Sometimes, yeah, okay, we're gonna, we're, you know, Razi Ogawa, the owner and booker of Stardom. I'm gonna bring in this foreign talent and I'm gonna push them, even though they're not ready. They're not on the level of the, the Stardom talent. The only person he's really had success with with that formula was Tony Storm, but that's because. Tony Storm is an exceptionally talented wrestler, uh, but nothing. I I don't have any questions. I think they're they're fine. 2018 is is the blueprint for 2019. You know what the best part? Well, I'm not gonna say the best part, but a great part about Stardom is subtitling all their promos. I think that goes so far when it comes to new viewers coming in and instantly getting up to speed on who these characters are, what their motivations are, what the program is, and I see a. a MLW is starting to do this now that they've brought in Roosh. And it's like, why are we going to force this guy to speak English, which he's not comfortable doing, that's going to take away his confidence? Just speak in your native language and we'll subtitle it for you. And he comes off a million times more charismatic. And it's just uh, an overall frustration I have with with other companies where it feels it's the other way around that, well, it's an English-speaking company, so we've got to force everybody into – this this delivery system that uh, to me that's I I don't look at the language barrier as a barrier. But you know what's the funny thing about that, John, is like they don't subtitle any of like you know say like B Priestley or Chardonnay or Tony Storm's promos into Japanese. They just do it from Japanese into English. So that tells you where they think their their market is internationally. They're, cl- they're, they're clearly more concerned with me than uh, than their their home audience. So exactly. Uh, Dragon Gate, a very interesting last uh, couple of months. Um, you know, they went through a lot of turnover, uh, some significant changes. But, you know, with the addition of Pac, I think that this is a company that at least has uh, momentary uh, attention from the wrestling audience at the moment. Yeah, I mean, December and November, November and December of this year feel a lot different than like September and October did, you know, the departures of Shima and then soon after Shingo. But, you know, they've rebounded really nicely. Pac helps. I think also this crop of young guys, Shun Skywalker, Ben K, uh, Yoshioka, um, all bunch of other guys. That's where I think the focus has to be. These guys have to be in the mid-card title picture. They have to be in the Twin Gate title picture. They have to be in the Triangle Gate title picture. They have to get into the uh, Brave Gate title picture. Not the Dreamgate right now. Dreamgate should be Pac for a while. Dreamgate should be Pac versus uh, rematch against Yoshino. Pac versus Naruki Doi. Pac versus Yamato. Pac versus uh, Masaki Mochizuki. That's And then when Pac is super hot, when Pac is super established as the Dreamgate champion, as this dominant world beater in that company, then you pull the trigger with him and a young guy. None of those guys I just mentioned that he's going to beat, but one of the guys underneath who's ready, and he's the one who beats Pac. What are the big, biggest issues facing Noah? Noah, I don't know. It just get be steady, you know, like try to build, you know, like the problem with Noah 
as far as business goes, was that Nakajima, as good as he was, just flatlined the company with his title reign. Like, no one was interested in him. Despite him being an excellent wrestler, despite him being, like, the, the protege of Kensuke Sasuke, he just didn't do anything for anyone. It's not until this current heel incarnation of him, which is amazing, by the way. If you haven't seen it, John, it's it's a revelation. If you were familiar with Nakajima from, like, four years ago, that doesn't exist anymore. This Nakajima that we have now is amazing. And all he does is smile. It's amazing, John. All he does is smile, and you're like, oh, my God, he's such a creep. <laughs> uh, and he kicks people really hard, which I which I enjoy very much. Um, but they, they just have to keep the course Put the title on Kiyomiya. Let give him every chance to get over. Don't don't Zeus him. Don't okay. He didn't draw two houses. Take the belt off of him. Let's put it back on Sierra. Let's put it on so and so. Don't don't do that. Just stay the course. Build the younger guys that you have with the established dudes that you have. Just stay the course. That's all I'm gonna say about Noah. It's 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 very frustrating for me to talk about Noah. There are times where it's just like okay, just pull the trigger, move those guys. Try to get them into all Japan. That will make that company stronger. But there are times where I'm just like, okay, support them. Be, be positive about them. Talk about them. You know, and, and you know, just try to find the, the matches that I'm going to talk about that are going to get people to watch that program. All Japan. We kind of chatted about some of their issues uh, that they're they're in the in the midst of. But I, I think that there's a really good nucleus there. I like their tag division. And uh, I think that there's a lot that can be grown upon in all Japan, and we'll see if it's realized. Um, my big thing with all Japan as a negative is their junior division. I think it's one of the weakest ones in the country. Um, they just announced participants for their their, their junior their junior tournament, and I like outside of maybe four names, like and which is like half the half the tournament. I I was like, oh, why why. I don't want to watch this dude. He sucks. And then, oh, okay, he's good. He's good. But there's no one blow away in, in that division, really, Like who's like a, a permanent member of the roster outside of the current champion, Koji Iwamoto. He's really good. But, again, like he's really young, so I don't have a sense of his character or his persona yet. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they're going to put some f- focus on kind of reestablishing the junior division, maybe get some outside participants into that. Um, but yeah, like, like I said before, I think, you know, you've got to get people up on the same level as Kento, who's like, you know, who are his age, like, don't rely on the guys who are north of 40 anymore. They're not, they're not going to be your future. They're going to be helping construct the future by putting people over, but it's got to be Kento is your top, your ceiling as far as age goes. You got to bring Ayagi up there. You got to bring Nomura up there. You got to bring Jake Lee up there. It's, 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 and I don't see where the crop of new guys is coming. They have one promising new guy, which is uh, Yusuke Okada. He's a junior heavyweight, though. But I think he'll be a big star if, you know, if, if all indication, if all things are equal and I see what I see in him come to fruition, he'll be a big star. But I really think they need to, like, just absorb. The roster of Noah, you know that that's I've I've said this countless times. Um, Noah's just you know on by a string, you know I I would rather it just they just pull the trigger, send it to the glue factory, get the roster, move it over, and try to con- consolidate 
the rosters of all Japan and Noah because they would they would fit really well together. I I could not agree more. Um, it seems that you know consolidation is not something we see too often, but I think there would be uh, the, those two companies would be a much stronger whole than separate entities. And that brings us to New Japan. Business is great, uh, but you know they are going through potentially many changes, and there's the continued expansion into the U.S. Um, I I think that there's many questions involving New Japan and what this company looks like uh, by next summer. Yeah, they're going to do split crews for the two beginning shows in uh, the United States. You know, so they're going to have a dedicated group of guys coming over just to do those two sh- the two announced shows. I've heard there might be a third show, um, but and then but they're going to run concurrently with the New Beginning tour in Japan. So I'm going to see who they think is like who they're going to send. And like, that'll show, show you how important the U S expansion is, is like who they decide to send to the United States for those shows and who they decide to keep in Japan for the new beginning shows in, in, in Japan, which is, which are really important shows to kind of kick off the buzz of, you know, the new Japan calendar. Um, my big thing about new Japan this year, like this coming year would be like kind of refocus the roster that they have. Uh, don't worry about acquisitions so much, but just kind of like decide who's going to be your stars, who's going to get the the push. I think 2019 will be the the Naito story. I think they're finally going to build towards next year's Tokyo Dome show this year with him. I, I think they're they're running they're running out of time on him. Uh, the window's closing on his opportunity to to be a big like be a major effective star like that he could be um uh like the elite might be leaving maybe kenny's leaving we don't know we'll see what happens with this all elite wrestling if it pans out to be true um but i really think as far as the booking goes they need to abandon this idea that we need to be like sports entertainment to attract a western audience you do not need to do that nobody wants to see new japan do sports entertainment like, if you want to see sports entertainment, you will watch the WWE. You know, it's, it's the problem TNA always had. They wanted to copy the WWE. Why would I watch this inferior, you know, company do WWE when I could watch the superior company do WWE? You should just do what you're unique at. What they don't do, you should do. That's what New Japan should do. Don't do American-style wrestling. Do Japanese-style wrestling because people who want to see American-style wrestling will watch an American company. People want to watch New Japan Pro Wrestling, want to watch Japanese Pro Wrestling. Tweak it a little, but don't start having like storylines where, you know, like don't have serial killers suddenly appear in your company. Well, he's a serial killer now. I didn't know that. You know, don't don't have guys hug like I'm going to hug you because like I love you or something. Okay, don't need that. It's dumb. Okay. (laughs) Have people fight for the title. Okay. I don't want to see that stuff anymore. It's it's I thought at the first it was interesting, but then it played out and it's like that was stupid. It's stupid. It's bad for business. Okay, no more three ways for the title. That's another thing. Um, yeah. I, also, as far as booking goes, announce talents and matches before the card happens. Please, please do that. Like, like the like you know, think about the the Long Beach shows. They're ter- terrible attendance because they couldn't announce any shows. Figure that shit out 
figure out where you want to go and announce at least the talents that are going to be showing up there. Say, these people are definitely coming to Long Beach. These people are definitely coming to the Globe Theater in New Beginning. These people are definitely going to be at the the, the Charlotte show, okay? Please do that. And if you're going to do the, the expansion, don't just focus. And it's good. It's a good sign. They're going to L.A. They're going to Charlotte. I hope they go to Philadelphia. I hope they go to Chicago. I hope they go to Toronto. That would be nice, you know. Back on what makes you unique, and that is ProRes. Not that is strong style wrestling. That is not WWE's light or whatever passes for you know sports entertainment and like say Impact Wrestling. I I feel that if New Japan World if they want to take the next step, it's all fine and good to have people there that that can translate the promos. Then I want it explained by WH Park. What what does it really mean? Get a, give us your unfiltered thoughts, WH, on the broadcast, and that that to me would would take this this company and their streaming service to the next level. Dude, that that I have to say, you know, the World Tag League was really interesting. Like, I you know, Excalibur joined the broadcast team. I thought it was a really positive thing. I really enjoyed his work. But I thought it was crazy. Like he was basically doing the play-by-play. Yeah, <laughs> he hijacked. He hijacked Kevin Kelly's position. I think it it's was, really it was, hard to take someone doing. I don't think people understand sometimes the difference between play-by-play and color, and they're two totally different roles. And you're throwing this guy into a position that he's being asked to do color, and that's it. Can be really tough. I I like Kevin Kelly and I like Excalibur a lot, but they were basically there to do the same function. And I think it was Kevin Kelly that kind of had to um, adjust on the fly. Maybe that's what explains that crazy line he said. Did you hear this crazy line he said during the Ibushi Goto match, I think it was? Uh, remind he, me. Like, so he's like, so Kotobushi's in this arm bar or something, and he, and he goes for the, the rope. Or he, he kicks out. No, he's getting pinned, and he grabs the rope to break the hold. You don't think anything about that, but the Kevin Kelly goes, "Wow, he's doing that really early in the, early in the match, like a rule breaker." And I'm like, "Wait, wait, wait, wait! Did, did you just use the term rule breaker? And that's something a rule breaker would do?" I was like, "Dude, what the hell?" <laughs> he went meta on us. I was like, "Is is he channeling his inner PW Pro Wrestling Illustrated staff writer like in his commentary?" I was I was just blown away that he would say something like that. You think it's a throwaway line? But it's not. It, it's really telling. Like I would never call, like the you know Tanahashi. Look at he's such a great fan favorite, which is like a PWI term, right? It's like that that uh, that Tamatanga. He's a hell of a rule breaker. I don't like him. Like don't don't say shit like that, please. So I, I think you have some, you're onto something. I think he was a little flustered by Excalibur, kind of like like coming into his territory. All right, it is time for the WH Park Year-End Awards. We have several categories here, and we will build up to the most prestigious of all. So sit back. Let's start off with your best show of 2018. Uh, without a doubt, New Japan's uh, Pro Wrestling's uh, Dominion show from June 9th from Osaka Joe Hall, uh, main evented by the uh, incredible IWGP 2 out of 3 false match between Kazuchika Okada and Kenny Omega, where Kenny Omega won the title finally. That was a great show. Fantastic show. Great show. Top, top to bottom. Holy shit, that was a great show. They had the, I think they had the Osprey Hiromu show uh, match on that. They had uh, Rapongi 3K versus 
the Young Bucks? Young Bucks for the title. I think all the titles were on the line. It was an amazing show. I, I, I really want to go to Dominion next year, John. I have never been to a Dominion. I've never been to Osaka Jail Hall. It's on the bucket list. How about your match of the year? Did it come from Dominion or was it elsewhere? Uh, it was elsewhere. My match of the year was Kota Ibushi versus Hiroshi Tanahashi from the uh, G1 Climax on uh, August 12th at Budokan Hall. Um, one, it was an amazing match. Two, it was my you know my first time at Budokan Hall. I, I went to the two nights before, but like that was the final. So I was really excited about that. And yeah, and I just really felt this afterwards, this kind of deep appreciation and like excitement about Hiroshi Tanahashi that I hadn't felt for a while, you know, with him. Cause I think he was kind of like on this, you know, like he's at this level, there wasn't too much interesting happening with him. I think what like him losing to Okada earlier, him kind of like kind of coming from behind in the G1 to winning it was just an amazing story. And I really love this match. I got to be there live and the, and Shibata being, being in the corner was a great moment. And just everything about that match was just magical. And I, and I love Kotobushi so much as a wrestler. It breaks my heart that he won't sign a contract and they won't put the title on him because of that. I really think if he signed a contract, he would, he would have been IWGP champion at least twice. You know, I really think that I think he would have, it would have been him and Kenny in this main event, not Kenny and Tanahashi. And I have no problems with Kenny and Tanahashi being the main event, but I really think they would have saved that if he signed a contract. Hey, th- this is uh, yeah. Th- this is an impromptu one, but uh, this year you went to Budokan Hall for the first time. You went to Hakata Star Lanes. Do you have a favorite venue from 2018 that you attended a live show at? Yes, uh, Kyoto KBS Hall, which is the place with the stained glass windows design inside. It is an amazingly beautiful venue it's very unassuming on the outside it looks like a like just like a in, like an office building from an industrial park that you would see like in toronto <laughs> but you go inside and it's like holy shit this place is beautiful and it's really small so it's a very intimate venue it's i i really want to try to go see a different i saw dragon gate there i would love to go see like all japan or stardom i think stardom there would be so would work really well visually so, yeah, that was my favorite place. Hakata Star Lanes is, is cool, but it's kind of a dump. <laughs> but I'm glad I went there. Then I'd say Budokan, just because of the history. And, like, sure. I, I thought I'd never see a show there, you know, but I got to see that amazing match. Are there any left on the bucket list of venues you have not uh, gotten to? Uh, so Shinkiba First Ring, which I'm going to go to uh, on the 3rd for the first time. Um Shinjuku Face, which is a, these are both really small venues in Tokyo. Uh, Osaka Joe Hall. Right. I would like to go to. Um, oh, there's one that, that the G1 was at that, um, Fraser, who went to all the G1s, went to, and I, I saw his pictures. The outside, like, looks really traditional, like a, like a castle or something like that. I gotta ask Fraser about this when I see him over the Wrestle Kingdom weekend if I run into him. But I really want to go to that place. I, and it's out like west and south of where I live. So it, it would be a hell of a train ride. But listen, I went to Fukuoka. I went to Kyoto to go to these, get these off my bucket list. But um, probably the big one will be uh, Osaka Joe Hall. I really want to go see a show there because that crowd is so hot. 
your best tag team of the year? Uh, Violent Giants. Uh, Shinji Ishikawa and Suwama. They formed uh, late last year, and they, you know, they, they're two-time World Tag Team Champions all Japan, and they just kill it every time. There's an aura these two have. Did you see the finals they had with uh, Doring and Dylan James? I haven't watched the final yet, no. Dude, that match is fucking awesome. It was way better than Evil Sonata versus G.O.D. It was so much more exciting, and, like, these guys are a little bit older, you know? But they're they're doing... Like, they're just a throwback to, like, Doc and Gordy, to, like, Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody. And these, and this I, I the like them a lot, yeah, from what I got to see throughout the uh, the tag league with them, yeah. And I'm going to say this. Joe Doring is probably the most underrated, like, uh, big man in, in professional wrestling today. It's because he works for All Japan. He doesn't do any U.S. dates. But people are missing out. This guy is so good. He is so agile. He's so charismatic. It's very understated charisma that he has. And Dylan James really kind of upping his game since leaving Zero One and joining All Japan. I think pairing him with Doring is the best thing All Japan could have done. I think the knock on him is something similar to like Kiyomiya. It doesn't really have a killer instinct. He's really soft spoken. But Doring, I think, is going to take him under his wing you know, kayfabe and probably in real life and just say, hey, listen, kid, you need to like just wallop somebody once in a while, all right, for no reason. Just do that. All right. But then I mean, it's funny. They're the foreign monster tag team, but they were like, you know, they, you know, they won and they were like, hey, everyone, uh, happy new year. And then Dylan James was like, uh, Joe said happy new year. So I'm going to say Merry Christmas. I'm like, very unheel like, but I can't fault it. That was a great match. So like, I'll let, I'll let that slide. Who's your best wrestler of 2018? Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi. From an in-ring point of view and from a storyline point of view, he's the person I got the most invested in this year. The match with Okada, where he was trying to break the streak, have Okada not break his streak, Mm -hmm. just super compelling stuff. Um, The stuff he did with Zack in New Japan Cup was great. I, I think he really, really tried with Jay White last year, you know, in Jay White's re-debut in New Japan as a Switchblade character. I got to give him props for that. Um, this stuff he's doing with Okada now, teaming, I'm very excited about it. I, I think they're going to do straight tags with those guys on the next tour, and I'm I'm all for it, John. I think he's going to become the, the champion. I think, you know, I'm not going to – okay, I'm beyond that, I'm not going to say anything more about the Wrestle Kingdom match. Yeah, we, everyone can tune into that. That show will be out uh, in a couple of weeks, the week of Wrestle Kingdom. And the big award, the one that everyone is going to want to know the answer, WH Park's Best Ring Gear of 2018. I'm going to go Joshi on this and say Mayu Iwatani. She has like this great wardrobe of, of like ring outfits that she wears like you know like and it's it all fits her like you know it suits her character and it's really like intricate there's details in all the pieces of her costume that really i i I just marvel at like that's that looks cool that that fits this aspect of her character oh that is reference to this thing and this part of her wrestling career ah okay i get i get it um a lot of times people don't wear good gear in, in independent wrestling and, and like Joshi, like there's some people who wear terrible, terrible ring gear. But Mayu Itani is not one of them. Her ring gear is always on point and she's always kind of changing things up 
in her look. So I got to give it to her. Excellent list, WH, and that will bring an end to the show. As we mentioned, we will be back in a couple of weeks, uh, the first week of January, with our Wrestle Kingdom primer. Uh, Wei Ting will uh, jump on with us, so it'll be the three of us previewing the Tokyo Dome card that WH will be attending. And uh, one final plug for the brunch, WH. If people want to get in touch with you, uh, how can they do so? So I actually have two plugs. Oh, go done. for it. So I'll talk, talk about the, the, the brunch. So it's uh, myself and Joel Abraham from the Super J Cast, uh, Super J Cast podcast from Voice of Wrestling, um, which you should listen to if you love New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, we're hosting uh, a get-together at TGIFs in Tokyo Dome City, which is right next to the to Corican Hall. You can't miss it, okay? It's huge. It, just look for Corican Hall. It's right next to it. It's like a five-minute walk from the main doors of, of Tokyo Dome. Um, I've, we're starting at 11 a.m. We're going to have brunch. We're going we're gonna to have drink beer, drink soda, whatever, eat a lot of food, hamburgers, whatever. Just come. Get there before 11 a.m. Get in line. Come say hi to me. You know, like if you know what I look like. If you don't, get at me at, at Twitter. That's the main point where you can contact me at WH Park Nine, the number nine. Uh, yeah, and I think it's going to be really fun, John. I I, may, I I heard someone say they're going to try. One of the people coming got me got to me on Twitter and said, "Oh, I'm I told Dave Meltzer about it. And he, I'm going to try to see if he can come." And I'm like, "Okay, that's cool. If Dave Meltzer shows up, I'll I'll be happy. I wouldn't say no to that." Um, the other thing I want to plug is that I'm going to be doing a guest spot on the uh, Eastern Lariat podcast hosted by uh, Dylan Harris and Striga over at the MLW Radio Network. Great show. Uh, and we're going to talk about the Tokyo uh, Sports Awards. So, and yeah, probably I, from what I understand, we're going to focus mainly on that. So yeah, I'm, that's, I think we're going to record that tomorrow. So probably dropping on the weekend. And I'm a big fan of that show. Like if you really want to hear really in depth, like about all of wrestling, because these guys watch everything. I don't watch everything. I watch a lot. I don't watch everything. These these two guys, Dylan and Striga, just watch everything. So it's a really great podcast if you love Japanese wrestling. Yeah, they uh, they have done uh, a great job with that show. You can go check it out on the MLW Network. Get at WH at WH Park 9. And WH, I just want to thank you here at the end of the year for uh, being able to do this show each month. It's always great uh, chatting with you, and you've uh, done uh, uh, you've helped us out a ton with uh, the launch of the site this year. So I just want to thank you and uh, wish you a great holiday season. Oh, thank you, John. You too. I, happy holidays, and uh, thank you. And thank you to Wei. Like, I really enjoy being part of this. I really enjoy listening to you guys. Just as a listener, I love listening to you guys talk about different things, the MCU reviews. Like, thank you for watching Raw, so I don't have to, <laughs> by the way. So, uh, but I'm, I'm really happy to be, to be, you know, associated with you guys. And, and I hope 2019 is just as good. And uh, WH will be back here with, with our Wrestle Kingdom primer. Uh, so we will chat with you then. And to all of you listening, uh, we will speak with you later on this weekend.